Well, church, we are going to start our series today on the Lord's Prayer. Amen. Amen. The Lord's Prayer. I'm very excited about this because I know in the Holy Spirit that this is what God wants us to cover. Amen. So what I would like us to do, first of all, is if we could stand, please, church, and we're going to read out the Lord's Prayer. And I'll tell you why we're going to do that, because I don't know if any of you are like a certain age like me, but we would repeat this in school assembly. Yes, I can see those. Yeah, I see, yes, I see those hands. Yes, yes. All you young people have no idea what I'm talking about. But those of us a certain age, we used to literally, like parrot fashion, wouldn't we? We would repeat it. And it's very easy to do that with the Lord's Prayer, that we can just repeat it, but really have no real revelation of the power in this prayer. And I'm praying that at the end of this series, we're going to do seven weeks, seven weeks on the Lord's Prayer, that by the end of the series, when we read it again on the seventh week, we are going to have such an incredible, fresh revelation of the power of this prayer. Amen, church. So let's read it together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. You know, when Jesus was on earth, he was always intentional in everything that he did. And prayer was no different. Jesus understood the necessity, even as the Son of God, to spend time alone with his Father. So I just want to cover just a few basics before we actually delve into the Lord's Prayer. You know, we read in the Gospels very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus would get up, leave the house and went and go to a solitary place where he prayed. You know, prayer is a two-way conversation between you and the living God. The living God Almighty, God Almighty, creator of all things. And God wants to speak to us. When we come to him in prayer, God wants to speak to us as much as we are going to speak to him. This is what it says in Psalm 8. It says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And then it goes on to say, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. Oh, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. You know, prayer is such a holy privilege of connecting with Almighty God. What a privilege, what an honor that we can come before the God of creation, the God of the universe, the God that flung the stars out into space and named every one of them. Oh, wow, it's incredible. And I want to tell you that God desires your fellowship. He loves it when you commune with him. 
Why? Because you're his creation. You're his masterpiece. Amen. Amen. You're his masterpiece. You're his child. You know, the fact that we can commune with God 24-7 is an absolute miracle. An absolute miracle. So why is it then that as Christians we find it hard to pray? We do. Why do we find it hard to pray? You know, I think there are many reasons, but I just want to look at a couple. Life is full on, isn't it? We're busy here, we're busy there, we're busy everywhere. Life is busy for many of us. And someone said once, if you're too busy for God, you're too busy. And I remember saying this to the Lord, actually it was a long time ago. I remember actually saying, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. But you know, this is what I heard in my heart. God said this, you're as busy as you make yourself. You're as busy as you make yourself. Do you know, it's always profound, isn't it, when God speaks. What can you say to that? It's true, isn't it? We're as busy as we make ourselves. And time is a statement of our priorities. You know, in Jeremiah, if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn, please, and certainly write this one down. In Jeremiah 29... It says this, and it's a really well-known scripture, and a lot of people actually quote this scripture in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Okay, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Amen. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, and plans to give you hope and a future. But then it says this, Then you will call upon me. And come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And then listen to what verse 13 says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your hearts. Not a part of it, not a little bit of it, but with all of your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. What a promise there is in Scripture that when we seek God with all of our heart, that he'll be found by us. Now, the Amplified puts it this way. Then you will seek me, inquire for me, and require me as a vital necessity. You know, prayer for a Christian is a vital necessity. Breathing is a vital necessity. Food is a vital necessity. Shelter is a vital necessity. And prayer for us as God's children is a vital necessity. Amen? It says this in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face yes. always. Amen. Seek his face always. Amen. These are God's promises to us. Now, prayer, it takes effort. <laughs> it takes time. It takes sacrifice. It takes discipline. It takes determination. It takes diligence. But out of that will come a desire and a delight and a close fellowship with God himself. Just like Adam walked with God, God, God in the garden, 
in the cool of the day. You know, God wants us to do that. He longs for your fellowship. He longs for you to spend time with him. Why? Because he loves you. But more than that, he wants to commune with you. He wants that time with you. Do you know, I believe the more we pray, the more we will want to pray. And actually, the less we pray, the less we will want to pray. But the Holy Spirit is our helper. And he will help us, but we have to do our part. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 6, and I'll read this from the New King James Version. He said, and when you pray, Jesus didn't say if you pray. He said, when you pray, he said, you should be not like, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to stand on the synagogues and the corners of the streets so that they're seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they've got their reward. But Jesus said, but you, when you pray, go to your room. And when you have shut the door, (laughs) pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Church, I want to tell you, there is nothing, there is nothing like having quality time alone with God. It's good to pray together. It's good to pray as a family. But when it's that time, when it's just you and God, when you can praise and worship and cry and laugh and shout and be still, you can stand, you can sit, you can be on your face, you can be on your knees, but it's just you and God and you can tell him things that nobody else knows and that you wouldn't want anybody else to know. Because you can talk to him about anything. Why? He knows it anyway. There is nothing that God does not know anyway. But you can just let it all out and you can tell him just as it is. Just as it is. Amen. And we need to do that. We need to do that. And that's private. And it's precious. And it's a powerful time. Now, I've heard some Christians say, well, should I only pray to God the Father? Should I only pray to Jesus or should I, should I only pray to the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, I pray to all three. Yeah. Amen. I sometimes when I pray, I pray to Father. Yeah. Sometimes when I pray, I pray to Jesus. And sometimes when I pray, yeah. I pray to the Holy Spirit. But, you know, I would say, don't worry, they'll pass the message on. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. They'll pass the message on. It's fine. So sometimes you will pray to Father, and sometimes you will pray to to the Son, and sometimes you'll pray to the Holy Spirit. They're three in one and one in three. They'll pass the message on, church. So don't worry. Now, I don't know if this happens to you or whether it's just to me, but, you know, if I'm going to decide, right, I'm going to go and pray, get so many distractions. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah. So many distractions. I'll think about something that I need to do or want to do. And for you, I don't know, it could be the phone ringing, the mobile pings, a child runs in to tell you that the hamster's just escaped from the cage or that the dog's just thrown up on the kitchen floor. It can be anything. It can be anything. But, you know, we have to be intentional in our time. And our passion will always be our priority. 
whatever it is or whoever it is, our passion will always be our priority. Now, what about reason number two, I think? And I think that's sometimes because we think, and this is where the enemy lies to us, that we're just no good at praying or we're just not eloquent enough. Not true. Thank you, Effie. It's not true. You know, Jesus goes on in verse 7 of Matthew 6 to say this, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think they'll be heard by their many words. Now, it doesn't mean here that we don't keep asking God for answers to things. Jesus doesn't mean that when he says that. What Jesus means is it's no good just as babbling and trying to be really eloquent and you really use long Confusing words that really don't mean anything in our self-righteousness. Jesus gives a great example of this in the parable. I just want to quickly, if you can, to turn to Luke 18. And let me show you what Jesus was saying when he gave this parable. It says, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. You know, just be real when you pray. And if you stutter and you stammer through a prayer, God is fine with that. He just wants you to talk to him and he sees your heart. Amen. So don't worry how it says, but I would encourage you, pray out loud. I would really encourage you when you have your time with God, pray out loud. Why? It's good. There's power in confession. There is power in confession. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Hallelujah. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So I would really encourage you to actually to pray out loud. It's also great to pray scripture. And I want to say God moves when his saints pray. And we are his saints. Hallelujah. Do you know God sends his angelic hosts into battle on the back of our prayers. We saw that on New Year's Day in Stratford. Amen. Amen. D.L. Moody said this. Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. Wow, that is so powerful. Every great movement of God can be traced to a kneeling figure. And you know, when we had our first meeting back here in August last year, I preached about us being a house of prayer. Amen? We are a house of prayer and we will continue to be a house of prayer because that's going to be the key to God moving. Amen? You know, all kingdom ministry begins with, is sustained by, and will triumph through prayer. God moves 
when his people pray. And I just want to share this testimony again with you because the Lord brought it back to my memory today. And I think it will really encourage you, particularly those of you that are praying for family and for loved ones that are not walking with the Lord at the minute. Jim Simbala, who's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, that's a massive church in New York City. His eldest daughter had gone away from God. She'd had a baby. She was nowhere in God's two and a half years. She was away from the Lord. And the Lord spoke to him one morning at 1.30 a.m. and said, I'm going to bring Chrissy back. The pastor hadn't spoken to her for months. He tried everything, but the harder he tried, the worse she got. Now, in a prayer meeting, one night at church, a lady in the congregation passed a note to him saying, I believe we need to pray for your daughter. They did. It was powerful. He said it was like a labor room. He got home and he said to his wife, it's over. She said, what's over? He said, Chrissy, she's coming home. The next morning, he was shaving in the bathroom. His wife burst in, into the bathroom and said, Chrissy's downstairs. He wiped the shaving foam off his face, ran downstairs, and there was Chrissy crying on her hands and knees. He lifted her up and looked into her eyes. He knew she was changed. She said this, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against Mommy. I've sinned against myself. She said this, Who did you have praying for me last night? He said, What do you mean? She replied, Who? Did you have praying for me last night? He said, the church prayed for you last night. She said this, in the middle of the night, God gave me a vision. I was going 95 miles an hour towards an abyss, but God caught me right on the edge. And instead of yelling at me, Daddy, he loved me. And he said he still cared for me and had a plan for my life. And now she's a pastor's wife doing great things for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. The Lord Jesus recovers stolen property. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you. If you are praying for a loved one, you keep going. No wonder Satan hates it when we pray. He understands how powerful it is, even if we don't. Priscilla Shira says this, and I think this is really profound, and you might want to well write this down. She says this in her teaching. If I were your enemy, what I would do is devalue in your mind the potency of what I know to be the most powerful weapon you have against me. Amen. I'll say that again. If I were your enemy... What I would do is devalue in your mind the potency of what I know to be the most powerful weapon that you have against me. Hallelujah. Amen. Prayer is one of our arsenal yeah. of weapons Amen. to use. Amen. Church, we are a house of prayer because prayer pushes back the kingdom of darkness Hallelujah. and brings in the God's Amen. kingdom of light. Amen. Hallelujah. So we know how powerful it is prayer. How powerful prayer is. We know God wants us to do it. So let's delve into the Lord's Prayer. Hallelujah. And may we never be the same again. So the Lord's Prayer incorporates and reveals some of the most profound spiritual truths of the kingdom of God. It's more than just a prayer. 
It outlines the most fundamental features of a deeper Christian life. And the concepts and the insights have the capacity to change our lives. So here we go. Let's have a look at our, our Father. This tiny word, you know, forms an immediate bridge between you and me. In a single word, he calls us together. Galatians 3.28 says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are one in Christ Jesus. And when we become born again by the Spirit of God, there needs to be and there should be a transformation in our lives. I want to tell you being a Christian is not just putting your hand up in the service, praying a sinner's prayer, and then nothing else changes in our life. And I believe that the Western church for many years have preached a sloppy gospel and there's many people out there that think they're saved and they're not because there's been no transformation in their lives and they just said, well, one day I put my hand up in a service and I prayed a prayer, I have my ticket to heaven. That's not scriptural. There needs to be a change and a transformation. We should be totally different. It's impossible to have the living God by his Holy Spirit living in us and we don't change. And God will start to put his finger on things in our lives and change us. Why? Because he loves us and he's preparing us to be like Jesus. He wants us to get baptized in water. Okay, because it said, who who believes in his heart, confesses with his mouth, shall be saved. When we believe and are baptized, we will be saved. It's part of our salvation. And then God wants to fill us with his Holy Spirit and give us that power and empower us to live for him and to serve him in all that we do. And we enter into a relationship with the living God. But I need to tell you today, and categorically I can tell you this, God does not have favourites. He does not have favourites. I've heard preachers say that he does, but I want to tell you categorically, church, listen to me. God does not have favourites. How can I categorically say that? Because it's in the Word. It's in the word and 2 Timothy 3.16 says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Now I'm going to give you the scriptures, you can write them down. Romans 2.11 says, for God does not show favoritism. And Ephesians 6.9 says the same and you can look that up at home. And in fact, James 2 verse 9 says, if we show favoritism, we sin. And God is not a man that he lies or sins. So he loves us all equally. Our rewards will be individual for serving him. But his love for us is equally. And one of the lies that the devil uses against us is this. God can't love me because... Or God doesn't love me as much as he loves you because... And then we try and quote all our sins and our past sins. But if they're under the blood, they're under the blood of Jesus. And when Jesus Christ looks on you, he doesn't see that because it's all forgiven. We can't sing about it but not live it. We sung this morning, thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Hallelujah. And it's that blood that cleanses us from all our unrighteousness. Hallelujah. I want to tell you God's love is unconditional and beyond measure. 
He has always loved you. He does love you and he will always love you through eternity. He is our father. Now let's look at the word father. Now as soon as I mention the word father, this is going to evoke many different reactions and feelings within us. Our perspective of Father God is quite often based on our past or present experience of an earthly father. And if we have experienced a negative, damaging or non-existent relationship with an earthly father, that can be deflected back onto Father God and cloud and influence our thinking and our judgments. So if you've been fortunate to have a good, godly, natural father, you may find it much easier to view Father God as a good, heavenly, loving father. But I really believe this today, church, that God himself wants to minister to those who haven't experienced that. And I truly believe that the Holy Spirit is going to break something today whether you're here, whether you're watching on Zoom, or for those that are going to listen to this in the future, that the Holy Spirit is going to break something that has held you back from fully enjoying and engaging in a loving relationship with your Heavenly Father because your view has been a bit like a prism and it's been distorted and damaged and influenced and warped by past or even present pain. And I want to tell you now, God wants you to be free. And the truth of God's word will set you free. God wants to give you personally a revelation of who he is. And that is going to come through the Holy Spirit by reading and studying the word and by prayer. Now, some of you, have had an absent father. He was rarely there. Or perhaps he left you when you were young. Or perhaps he passed away when you were little or a teenager. And there is a constant void in your heart for that father's love and security. I believe there's those that look at other men and look at men with their children and there's such a pain in their heart. It's like, I never had that. I never had that. And you feel that your life would have been so much better and so different had you had that father's love and acceptance and security. So when you view God, you see him as distant. You see him as disinterested in you because of your past experience. You have feelings of abandonment and rejection. Oh, God's going to minister to people today. Some of you may have had an angry, bad-tempered moody, aggressive father, where you have lived or you live even now on eggshells, 
waiting for him to erupt. So your view of God the Father is someone who is angry and vicious, unapproachable and mean. Some may have had a father who was abusive and abused you physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually. So the word father invokes feelings of pain, disgust, shame, heartbreak, loneliness, and despair. In fact, you despise the word father because of what you've been through. Well, I want to tell you today, I have some great news. And we've sung it already, that Father God is perfect in all his ways. He is a perfect, perfect, perfect Father, full of love for you. He loves you with an everlasting love. Deuteronomy 32.4 says this, He is the rock. His work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of truth and without justice, righteous and upright is he. Psalm 18.30 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield to all who take refuge in him. Oh, I want to tell you, God is your shield. He is your refuge. He is your fortress. He is your hiding place. He is your loving heavenly father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I pray now that if there's anyone here on Zoom or listening in the future, I pray as you hear these words, I ask you now, Holy Spirit, to break what the enemy has put on people's lives in regard to Father God. I break it in the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I ask you now that you would give them a fresh new revelation of the Father heart of God. May you change the way that they think about you. Oh, Holy Spirit, reveal the Father heart of God. Reveal Jesus Christ to them. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. May they seek you with all of their heart and you will be found by them and that they will know that Father heart of God that they have desperately yearned and craved for for many years. May they find it in the name of Jesus. And may they be completely free for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Perfect love casts out fear. And even if you've had a wonderful and a good earthly father, they cannot even begin to compare with your heavenly father. You know, God has many titles, but father goes beyond them all and is the most profound of them all, indicating our ultimate identity. What a privilege. 1 John 3 says this, How great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. We're adopted into his family. You know, God is not stingy. 
You see, God is not stingy. God is lavish and extravagant. And he wants to lavish you with his love. That is how much he loves you. He sees what you've been through. He sees, he sees, he sees. But he's calling you today. Come deeper, come deeper, come closer. Let me show you how much I love you. And when you go into your closet and when you shut the door and when you get on your face before God and you seek him and you seek him and you press in and you press in, I guarantee you God will turn up and he will reveal himself to you. And you'll never be the same and you'll never look back. And your prayer life will go to a whole new level. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's what God wants to do. You have a father who fashioned you in your mother's womb. He decided your height, your hair color, the color of your eyes. He made your eyes and fingerprints. You're totally unique. There will never be anybody exactly like you. There never has been. There isn't and there never will be. That's how precious you are to God. You are totally unique and you are loved beyond measure. You know, the word father in Aramaic, it means Abba, Daddy. It's a term of intimacy and respectful familiarity. A word of belonging, of family and protection of love. Oh, I want to tell you, you are the apple of God's eye. You are. Believe it. The scripture says it. I know it's true because it says it in the book. (laughs) You are the apple. Of God's eye. You are the apple 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 of God's eye. Turn to your name and say, I'm the apple of God's eye. (laughs) We are all the apple of his eye. And it says this in Isaiah 49, 16, that our name is engraved on his hands. Oh, we're precious in his sight. God knows your name. He knows your name. You know, it was God's breath that gave us life and made us eternal. Do you know we'll never stop existing? We'll never stop existing. Wow, isn't that a thought? We are eternal beings because that's how God made us. And I just want to read a verse from a beautiful hymn. I won't sing it, honestly. I'll tell James. You're okay, James. You don't need to turn my mic down. I won't sing, I promise. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. That he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away. As wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. All that we would know, Father's heartbeat for us. Regardless of our past, good, bad or indifferent. The Holy Spirit wants to draw us all into a closer walk where our hearts yearn for the presence of God. Amen. The Holy Spirit wants to draw us all, every single one of us, without exception. Because Father God loves you and to commune and fellowship with you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. He's a liar. The Bible tells us that. He's a father of lies. In fact, Jesus said there's no truth in him. 
So when you hear something negative, I'm telling you that hasn't come from God. No. That's come from the enemy. Yeah. And bear in mind, Satan hates it when we pray. That makes me want to pray all the more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're just coming to a close. But it's our Father in heaven. Heaven is real. Whether you believe it or not, it's real. And you know, when we run our race, and when we finish, we'll be there. But we do need to run our race, and we do need to finish. You know, it's not how you start a race that counts, it's how you finish. He who endures to the end will be saved. And the scripture for that is Matthew 24, 13. So what's heaven like? Well, I can guarantee it's going to be above and beyond anything we could ever dream or imagine. (laughs) I can guarantee that for sure. Do you know, we've sung about the throne room, haven't we, today? And that's where God is in all his glory and his majesty and his power and his holiness. And I've just picked up a couple of scriptures from Revelation chapter 4. And again, I'd recommend you look at this at home. But it says there's a rainbow resembling an emerald that encircles the throne of God. And surrounding the throne are 24 other thrones. And I know Danielle talked about this the other week, didn't he? With 24 elders sat. They're all dressed in white and wear crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne comes flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. That's the glory of God. And around the throne are those four living creatures. And those four living creatures, day and night, they never stop saying this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And those 24 elders fall down before the throne of God. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created all things. And by your will they were created and have their being. And finally, if you carry on reading into Revelation 5, it also tells us that there is an excess of 100 million angels around the throne. We're going to see that one day. In excess of 100 million angels around the throne. And they sing in a loud voice. I bet they do. (laughs) Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. And verse 13 says this of Revelation 5, every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them will sing this. And this is what we'll sing. To him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honour and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. That's the God we come to in prayer. And we have the miraculous privilege of calling him our Father. Let's pray.